Hello and welcome to the final episode of Margaret's Garden. Thanks for tuning in and taking this journey with us. It has been such an incredible time and I am so proud of how this show came out. If you love this world and you'd like to see more of it, let us know. The best way to do that is by leaving a review for us on Apple Podcasts or by telling a friend. But I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Without further ado, here is the final part of Margaret's Garden. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Welcome back to Everton, and welcome to the final chapter of our story. When we last parted ways, dearest Margaret had finally been freed of her binding by faithful and loving Ernie Everett. It had indeed cost Ernie his life, just as he'd feared, but in the end he laid it down willingly, his love for Margaret mattering most. She'd also been freed of her corporeal form, that tired and vulnerable frame. No fear for sticks and stones now, friends. Flesh, bones, and blood had been, in a blinding instant, replaced by a gleaming obsidian body, a body ringed with a flickering blue light, a body of black fire. Margaret's transformation also freed an enormous amount of pent-up energy. All the potential good that she could have done while she was smothered by that necklace, all that energy finally realized in a singular shining moment. The shockwave shook all of the High King's Mountain, Outworld, and the doomed enclave of Everton. It also left Agents Washington and Harris pretty far gone on the other side of consciousness, but once again, lucky to be alive. Margaret is already blazing a trail, literally, toward Everton. But while Agents Washington and Harris are finding their way back, let's check in with another friend of ours. His name is Dr. Simon Brooks. Dr. Brooks once worked as a marine biologist at the SDSU Marine Biology Lab. Arithmetic, mostly. He'd demure at cocktail parties. But Simon was more than just good with numbers. He was also exceptionally gifted at dissection, a skill that would eventually serve him very well in the new city of Everton. Yes, Dr. Brooks did exceedingly well in Everton. A rising star, most of his peers would say. His contributions to the practice of vivisection especially heralded a new age in Everton energy production, and with them, the hopes of one day returning home. That was, of course, before everything had gone so wrong. Unfortunately for Dr. Brooks and those few others remaining in Everton, the hopes of ever returning home will be permanently dashed this morning. A distant shadow of smoke and embers is slowly gathering along the horizon. For the moment, though, Dr. Brooks is unaware of his impending doom. He's just waking from a fitful sleep, still lying in bed, entering a voice recording into his daily journal. <sighs> it's quiet this morning. Something is... Well, it should be quiet, I suppose. Complete and utter silence. That's all I should hear. Nothing. No sound at all, but... But there is something. <laughs> I hear... <laughs> I can hear... Amelia's laughter. The sound of wooden blocks tumbling along the kitchen floor. Anne muttered something to our youngest, Gillian, and then they all three explode into a fit of giggles. I know I'm not hearing this. I know not to call out to Anne. I know the sound of my own voice ringing through the empty house. But the feeling... in my chest... That ridiculous feeling that I could call out and they'd be there. Sometimes I can close my eyes, still lying here, with those faint whispers echoing memory from every shadowed corner of the house, and I can close my eyes and I can almost smell likely burned pancakes. 
Anne always burned them. God love her. Oh, she tried not to, but she just couldn't help it. Oh, I can smell that lovely burning aroma. I can smell the bittersweet scent of chocolate chip and blueberries mingling with the other early morning scents of our happy little kitchen. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Whoa, boy! Get a grip, Simon. Work through your grief. Let's not do this again, buddy. Anne and the girls are gone. There will be no pancakes this morning. No Eskimo kisses. No Saturday morning cartoons bookended between... That's all in the past, buddy. Breakfast today is Everose, which I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but just in case I haven't, Everose are the bastard child of... No, that's, that's not right. Everose are what would happen if someone finally figured out how to eat rocks and dirt. Conway and the committee swears that they're atom for atom a fruit. Not a single difference, they say, in taste, texture, and pleasure. But maybe they are, but they there's something definitely off. It could be the milk. Oh, that's what Anne thought. She always thought it was the milk. There's no cows, she kept saying. Oh, she was so earnest about those missing cows. Couldn't help but tease her about it. Those banished bovine, those, those missing milkers, those, those... Oh, oh, God, what else did I call them? Oh, she'd always give me a playful little slap and tell me I wouldn't think it funny if the girls started growing extra limbs. <laughs> oh, she was right about that, I suppose. I had to be the cheerleader for Everton, though. One of us did. She played the skeptic, I played the convert. There was no other way around it. Oh, the girls never seemed to notice at all. About the milk or the cereal. Every time I'd ask Jilly if her breakfast was okay, she'd squeal with the pleasure that only sugary cereals can bring to five-year-olds. <laughs> Nary a complaint. But how can I believe that kook? 
him and Eddie, I've been wrong about so many things. And Ernie, oh, God bless him. He only wanted to, to build something beautiful, but now, oh, those few of us that remain, now we're all trapped like rats. Rats in a cage. Truth be told, we've always been trapped here. Even before the jump. A utopia. <laughs> An oasis of civility and morals. What a... What a mistake. What a fool I was. I should have never brought Anne and the girls here. Should have never... It's my fault. I've got to live with that. I can't keep... There's still work to do, right? And God bless it, if I can get home, I mean to do it. Anne... Anne would have wanted me to keep on with the work. Even if it means just saving some of us, she'd have insisted. <laughs> oh, what a mule she could be. I love you, Anne. And I love you, Amelia. And I love you, Gillian. <laughs> Daddy has to get up now. He's got work to do. Let's do it again tomorrow morning. Okay. <laughs> Artist thing, girls. It looks like... Oh, dear God. The dome. The dome is down! Oh, Jesus. The, the dome! What's happened? Is that... Oh, my goodness. It's Margaret! I thought... Margaret? Margaret, is that you? It used to be that the best place in Everton for catching a few early afternoon rays of sunshine was the small triangular part at the intersection of Elm and Jefferson, Roosevelt Park. It's a simple affair, really. A small playground for the kiddies, a dusting of picnic tables situated beneath a stand of tall pines, and a few benches lining the meandering path. Margaret likes to take an early lunch of fruit, cheese, and crackers at Roosevelt Park, it's become a bit of a habit with her. She prefers the last bench on Jefferson facing Elm, but she'll settle for any bench or table with a southern facing so that she can soak up those rays. The regular at Roosevelt Park, known for being there rain or shine, on the hour, sitting serenely and unperturbed, oftentimes nibbling at some new and strange delicacy. Today, though, something is different. Margaret has a guest. Good morning, Margaret. Eddie! What a surprise. How are you? Mind if I sit? Sit? No, of course not. Please, do. I just... I don't usually have... I'd be delighted. Thank you. So, what brings you? Ah, well, the weather's nice. A lovely day, I was thinking. Thought I'd like to go for a walk, stretch the old legs, you know? And then I saw you here, and I thought... Of course. You're more than welcome. I... Uh... Did you know, some people put cheddar cheese on apple slices? <laughs> have you ever done that? No. No, I can't say that I have. Is that what you're having? Oh, yes. I thought I should try it right away. The flavor is wonderful. It's... I don't know how to describe it. Unusual, maybe? Unusual. I can relate to that. Yes. I think unusual is a good word for it. Sometimes it seems like Unusual has been following me around for as long as I can remember. Ernie ever tell you about when we were kids? Just a little here and there. I saw a lot when we first met. When I... You know... Saw the library in his mind. Ah, yes. Uh, did you ever see or 
Has he ever talked about our mother? No, he hasn't. It seems that those memories are especially sacred to Ernie. They're well guarded. I can believe that. We had a complicated relationship with her, especially when we were kids. She was a bit of an embarrassment. She'd emigrated from Yugoslavia after the war, married a doughboy. That's where the Everett comes from. But she she was old world through and through. Unapologetic about it, too. Anyways, her English was never all that great, and she didn't go in for all the trappings of the city life like the other kids' moms, so she always kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in the neighborhood. I know what that feels like. No doubt you do, Margaret. You remind me of her sometimes. A couple of fish out of water. No doubt about that. But where you're open to new things, like your uh, cheese there, she was the opposite. She she used to bake this bread. Lapina, it's called. Some old world recipe for turning stomachs into knots of agony. We hated it. We wanted Wonder Bread. We wanted that white bread and those colored spheres on the package and that twist tie to keep it fresh and soft. That was what normal kids ate. That and probably apple slices with cheese, if you catch my drift. But she would always bake lapina. She couldn't have cared less about Wonder Bread or its fancy package. She knew that her bread was whole and delicious and fresh. She was right, of course. I know that now. I'd give anything for a fresh steaming slice of that lapina. I'd trade all the wonder in the world. Oh, Eddie. Anyways, that's how it was for us. Constantly walking a fine line between fitting in and being left out. All because of the small-minded attitudes that surrounded us. I wonder if anything has changed. It has, or rather it did, for Ernie and I. You want to know what happened? I do. Junior year, for me. Ernie would have been just a freshman. A German family moved into the neighborhood, and I mean... Men. Like right off the boat, there was a son right around our age. His parents were even more old world than our mother. Sauerkraut and Lederhosen, funny hats, the whole nine yards. Lederhosen? Yeah, <laughs> pantyhose for men. I. It didn't help this kid, Gunther, I think his name was. It didn't help Gunther that Germans weren't receiving the same kind of welcome as they had been before the Kaiser. Either way, one day after school, I'm walking home and I see this kid, Gunther, and Ernie trading fists. Ernie got the best of the kid, bloodied him a bit, but more importantly, Ernie was yelling at the top of his lungs. Kept telling this kid afterwards, telling him to go back to his own country. Telling him that Krauts weren't welcome on the block. Oh my... That's... terrible. No wonder Ernie hasn't told me. No, that's just it. Don't you see? Ernie didn't care about that kid or where his folks were from. He was doing it for us. He was just showing the rest of the neighborhood kids that we were one of them, funny bread and all. He was just trying to... to get us in. I don't understand. Why would you and Ernie want to be in if you knew it would hurt others? I don't really know, I guess. That's just what happens when you're on the outside looking in. It ends up being the only thing you want. The only thing that you can think about. Being included. I wonder if it even matters. It matters. You think so, huh? I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it does. Funny thing, really. All those years trying to fit in. Always being the kid with the house full of funny smells and foreign tongues and an exotic mother. Funny that Ernie and I would find ourselves... On the inside looking out? That's right. Now it's us. Keeping good people out. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I was actually going to say, now it's us setting the standard, and... Now I see how important fitting in is, especially here, in Everton. Making sure that everything is normal. Is this normal? Because I've learned a lot about you and your kind, and this seems to me like... I know what you're going to say, but you can save it. This is normal. Everton is that wonder bread. I know that you've read a lot about us, and God knows you're a keen mind, but take it from me. There's a lot you don't know. You've been lucky to find yourself in Everton rather than... If you just... You could travel any direction on the compass and would find a very different world than the one Ernie and I have created here. A world on the edge of collapse. Everywhere you go, just watch the news. Those people out there, they're tearing down the society brick by brick. 
They're refusing to assimilate, to behave, to calm down. Selfish brats and entitled babies, goddamn beatniks, demanding everything bend to their will. Oh, Eddie, can't you see? You're doing the same thing here in Everton. But I'm not demanding. I'm building. I'm not destroying. I'm preserving. They're destroying. We're on the verge of a real catastrophe. I tell you, I just... Is a nice day. Yes, it is indeed. I like you, Margaret. I really do. I know we've had our differences. I like you too, Eddie. Even with the differences. I think that you are a very kind and gentle soul. Am I right about that? I like to think that's true. Of course, I also like the fire in you. That burning sense of justice and equanimity that you've brought to our little burg. Is that why you've smothered it? Smothered? Hardly, my dear. I didn't smother it. I built a furnace for that fire. To help you tend that flame, lest it rage beyond your ability to control and turn the world to ash. Doesn't feel much like that. No, I suppose it wouldn't. Not to you. You suppose correctly. So here we are. Yes, here we are. It's nice we can sit like this. It is. Yes. We're on a collision course, you and I, aren't we? Do you think so? I do. It's... I can't quite explain it, but it's like something... I'm not sure. Like something is coming? Something that's been coming for as long as I can remember. Hmm. Is that crazy? Do you sense that too, that collision? One day. Far away. Have you seen it? Seen it? No, not seen it. But I felt it. Feel it. The book shows me things about then. About you and me then. In the future or whatever. But it's never really clear, and it's always jumbled. Like, maybe it doesn't happen, like, maybe something else happens, or anything can happen. I don't know. Yes, the book. It's a difficult source from which to obtain knowledge of the future. Can the book be wrong? Is that what you're saying? I don't know, Eddie. The book's magic is a mystery to me as well. All I know is that the future is forever obscured from our sight, no matter how much we wished it different. Margaret, may I, may I hold your hand? Hold my hand? Yes, just for, just to help me remember where I am. I feel like if maybe I can just anchor myself to something, I could. Margaret offers her hand, and Eddie takes it. He smiles gratefully and closes his eyes for a moment, enjoying a light breeze that has just come up, stirring the silent air of Roosevelt Park. Yes. That's very nice. You're seeing the memories of our future, Eddie? No, no. I'm just enjoying this moment. Me and you, and the feel of the sun, and the smell of the grass, and this little breeze blowing just so. Me too. I'd like to have this memory, this perfect morning, your hand. I have this terrible feeling. You do? I do. I think... I think when it's all said and done, you and I... We're destined to be monsters. We're monsters already, Eddie. In some version of the story. The agents. What are their names again? Uh-uh. uh-uh. You're getting ahead of yourself. We haven't met any agents. It already happened, I think. And I think that you've been spending too much time trying to make sense of the book's prophecies. They're not to be trusted. I think it's too late for any of that. I can't unsee the the horrible things, and I know I haven't seen the worst of it. Not yet. Come back to me, Eddie. Let's just... You and I be here now. Let's not worry about 
possible futures. They don't make any sense. The futures? Uh, yeah, the futures. Mm, the futures rarely do. I can't tell which order they go in, or which ones... Have you seen how it ends? 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 No. How does it end? What's that mean? Like, my death? Is that what you're saying, how it ends? Do you, do you know how it no. ends? No. No. But that's for the best. But what if... Shh. It's a lovely afternoon, Eddie. Let's just sit here and enjoy it. Okay. Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick ad break. And reminder, if you hate ads and you don't want to listen to them, consider joining us at midnightdisease.net slash join, where for only $5 a month, you can get early and ad-free access to all of our shows like Margaret's Garden, Out of Place, The Theater of Tomorrow, and The Hotel. And now, back to our show. Agents Washington and Harris have finally made their way back from the land of Nod and are now hot on the trail of Margaret. It is, friends, an easy trail to follow. A black and dismal path of flame and scorched land is burning through Outworld, leading directly from the castle of the Fisher King to the now dome-free town of Everton. Our hale and hearty duo is making their way, albeit slowly, down to Everton. The swath of destruction that they are witnessing is leaving them with little hope for redemption or return. It has left them both silent and introspective, and the long black ribbon stretching out before them leaves little question that there will be ample time to second-guess and doubt every move they've made up to this point. When we finally came around, Margaret was long gone. We freaked out a little bit at first, thinking that we'd lost her. Again. I think we're both a little sick and tired of chasing Margaret at this point. To lose her, after all that we'd been through, man, that would have been... uh... It doesn't matter, though. We didn't lose her. Not really. I mean, she was gone, sure enough, but she had burned a path a mile wide leading away from the wrecked remains of the castle down into Outworld, and right into Everton. So, yeah... She's in Everton, doing God knows what. With the benefit of elevation, we could actually see all the way down the enormous plain that made up Outworld. It was quite a sight. We could see Everton down there in the distance, now domeless. It was burning. It was blazing like an inferno. By the time we reached the city limits of Everton proper, you could smell it. Burned flesh. It's an odor that isn't easy to describe, but but once you've smelled it, you know it. And there's nothing else like it. It's no pig roast. I caught a glimpse of Harris taking in one of the scorched bodies as we made our way into town. Rookie was looking three shades whiter than usual, and two shades greener. I thought for sure that he was going to pop, but he didn't. He steeled himself, kept it down, kept it quiet kept focused on the task at hand. I appreciated that. I'm sure the kid had questions. Hell, I had questions. Some questions remain, though. That's one thing that being in the agency teaches you. Some questions, they just remain. They linger. They keep you up at night while your family sleeps and the house lies quiet. This kid, what did he know about this kind of destruction? hell of a first assignment. I pity him. Can't help but thinking about what he said back in Everton, the real Everton. He said he thought maybe he liked it better behind the desk. I told him he didn't. Or that he wouldn't. What I should have told him, it's a little late now, but 
What I should have told him was about how hard it is to put the questions to rest. Even after the case file hits the captain's desk, and everyone is patting you on the back and congratulating you on a nice job, Rook. Even after all that, the questions linger, itching. You wonder if you're still even you some nights. All the interdimensional travel and the popping in and out of the timeline, and don't forget having every atom of your body ripped apart and then slapped back together again by alien technology. You keep wondering, is it even you lying in bed next to your wife? Is that you dragging yourself back into work on Monday morning? Is that still your face in the mirror? So many things get mixed up out here in the field. Sure, the docs all tell you the same thing. There is a single reality, Agent Washington. That is the critical thing to remember. Things may look odd from time to time, but rest assured, you, we, all things are operating in a singularity. A little relief all that head shrinking. Especially when you're making your way along a path of death and destruction that reveals the deepest and darkest nightmares of humanity. We passed house after house after house, block after block, all blotted black by fire. I don't even know how to describe it. The death, the wanton destruction, it's almost too much. The homes still smoldered, some still burned, the frames still standing. The charred bones of the house licked with orange-yellow fire, leaning precariously. When we drew nearer to the structures, it was easy to see that it wasn't just the charred husks of houses that we were passing. Some of these homes had still been inhabited when Margaret had passed by. There, in the smoldering layers of cinder and ash, I could just make out the shapes. The human shapes. Here's one sitting at their dining room table, eating breakfast maybe. Completely unaware when death finally came calling. And here was another. Maybe coming down the stairs for an early morning shower. And here, another. A man, perhaps, on the front porch. His hand raised as if in greeting to a nearby neighbor. A column of cinder now. And the worst part, the fine lines and cracks running along those blackened husks where the where the muscles could still be seen, blood red and fibrous. On more than one occasion, I could feel the bile rising in my throat. If Washington saw the look on my face, she said nothing. Just a quick nod of the head, and then she turned back to the road, kept walking. Margaret said Eddie would have the means to take us home, didn't she? Which meant that Eddie was still alive, right? Or was she just saying what needed to be said to get us to get Ernie to take off that fucking necklace? So goddamn confusing. It's hard to believe that she's torn up Everton like this, but has somehow left Eddie untouched. Unless, maybe, she is sparing him for some more sinister purpose. Or just torturing him forcing him to bear witness to the destruction of Everton before she exacts her final revenge. Frankly, I could give two shits. It doesn't matter to me what the lady does to Eddie so long as she's left the door open for us to slide back through. She owes us that much. Harris, how you doing, kid? Me? Oh, uh, I'm okay. I mean, I'm fine. I've never... There's just so much. Margaret, she... She burned these people alive. I know. Come here. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking it too. You are? Yes, I am. What exactly? Uh, what are you thinking that you think I'm thinking? I'm thinking... What could we have done different? Did we do the right thing with Margaret? Right! What have we done here, Wash? Did we do this? 
No, Harris. Look at me, kid. We did not do this. No matter what happens. We made some tough calls, and this happened. But that doesn't mean... Then... No, let me finish. We had some tough choices to make. Especially there at the end. But we did not do this. Margaret did this. Don't forget that. Right. No, I I know. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Good. Because there's going to be plenty of time for second-guessing and armchair quarterbacking when this shit is all said and done. Right now, we've still got work to do. Right? Do we? Because as far as I can tell, we've pretty much succeeded in destroying, or, my bad, aiding in the destruction of the entire town. No. Wrong. Well, tomato, tomato. Either or, anyway. As of this moment, we are holding on to the thin sliver of hope that somehow Margaret has left Eddie, or someone, anyone alive, that knows how to operate one of the wells that will send us back home. Perfect. Okay. Aside from the pessimism, you're right on track. Like I said, work to be done. Okay. And this definitely looks familiar, right? The town center there? They weren't joking. This is an exact replica of Everton, or... I mean, you know. Earth Everton. Copy that. I don't know how Conway managed it, but yeah. It's like... It's just like the original. Except it looks like the mall has seen better days. That must have been... Jesus, Wash. That's from the bombing. This utopia has fallen. It's a little fucking creepy, right? More than a little. The agents make their way further into the town center, drawn, as it were, to another familiar landmark. The gleaming and imposing town hall. Here, unlike the rest of Everton, the fire has not touched. The rose marble entryway and the gilded frame of the main door bear no mark of heat or flame. The door swings open, seemingly unaided. Oh boy. After you. Huh. All right then. Weapons hot, kid. They may not do us any good, but it's nice to be standing behind something rather than nothing. As the agents enter the gilded hall, they're struck by how remarkably still it is. The chaos of the burning city beyond the doors and the silent screams of the frozen citizens of Everton seem a distant memory of the past. Inside, standing in the dark, quiet, and lifeless atrium, a strange peace settles over them. Whoa. Right. Nice digs. This place definitely got an upgrade over the old version, didn't it? Sure looks like it. So, now what? Well, let's think for a minute. Imagine you're the self-appointed dictator for life of a dimension-hopping, hyper-futuristic dystopian world. Where would you be? Um, let's see. Uh, I suppose I'd be, uh, straight shot down the hall, past the freaky murals, and into the big boy office at the end. Familiar grounds, right, friends? That'd be my guess, too. On my six. And eyes peeled. It's dark as fuck in here. No telling what kind of sick shit might be waiting for us. <laughs> yeah, no joke. You'd think energy bills wouldn't be a problem in a techno-utopia. You'd be wrong about that in Everton's case. These people were paying a high price for bells and whistles. What doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And lose his soul. My sentiments exactly, Harris. Oh boy. Here we go. Let's get this over with. Do we knock? Be my guest. What's this? Some late visitor, rapping, rapping upon my chamber door. Some herald, I suspect, or someone to bear witness to the ruin that has unfolded this day. No doubt sent by her or called forth by the book. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in bleak and black December. Snow or ash, perhaps both, tumbled down out of a leaden sky. Through the thick tangle of trees, I could hear the fires crackling. Could, could smell that smell, that burned flesh. I was in France, hopelessly lost behind enemy lines, separated from my squad. Nazis were... They were everywhere. I ran, ran into the woods. 
looking for the deepest, darkest hole that I could find. It was... It was the firelight that first drew me toward it, that distant halo of orange light just above the treetops. I could see the... It was like a dome of light, glowing, pulsing with heat. I stumbled toward it, trying to be quiet but making a terrible racket as I tore through the thick underbrush. Snow crunched underfoot, or was it something else? The memory still haunts me. But now, here and now, the fires are burning again. I can hear them cracking and popping just beyond the wall. How is that possible? And the smell, that smell is back again. I feel like I've been lost in time. But I am not then. I am now. I am still here in the inner sanctum. I am still tethered directly into the wells and am fully powered. The book still remains, and... Everton? Everton has not fallen. Not yet. Perhaps it might. It might still be saved. Perhaps its savior is right there, just beyond the darkness. Just behind the door. Come in, I call. As soon as they set foot inside my chamber, I know who they are, why they've come, and what they've a mind yet to do. The book had told me long ago of their arrival, of this moment. These strangers in a strange land, these agents of change, seeking safe passage home. The book had... If only I'd heeded its warnings. They look upon me now, their faces unable to conceal the horror that I now elicit. I can't help but wonder. Was I so far gone? Was I still a man? Or was I more machine than man now? Or was I... Had I finally become that monster? Eddie Everett? They know my name. I know their names too. I'm not supposed to yet, so I remain silent, but... The book... The book has already revealed a great deal about these two. About their paths, both in this world and the next. I begin to rise from my seat, but it's been so long I can barely stand. I do hope that I'm able to... To get through my final critical performance... I take a few arduous steps toward the pair. They are still frozen in place, aghast at what they are seeing, this monstrosity lumbering toward them. When I was a younger man, I'd have been embarrassed by my frailty, mortified even, ashamed of the weakness and infirmity that now inhabits this flesh. But an eternity in this world has whittled away at more than just my blood, bones, and body. I am a shadow now of the man that I once was and the vanities of that former life no longer hold any sway over me. Shit, he's going down. Wash! Stand fast, Agent. He'll manage, or he won't. Keep your distance till we get this shit figured out. Ah, the wise one. That's what the book called her. Washington the Wise. She's right to be wary of me. I do still have a trick or two up my sleeve, don't I? For the moment, though, it's my compass that beckons. Its time has come. The mirrored orb reflects my withered hand as I reach to take it from its cradle. Such a little thing, my compass. It isn't as grand and powerful as Conway's, nothing even close, really. Smaller and less powerful by many degrees, but... But, still, more than capable of granting me passage back. Back to... What's he doing, Wash? No idea, but be ready for anything. Last time we saw one of those... Whatever those are, we got thrown for a loop. Conway called it the compass. Right. The compass. The last compass was nothing but trouble, if you'll recall. I remember. Poor Pasha. Right. You need not worry, agents. I mean you no harm. Ah, okay. It speaks. Eddie Everett, I presume? You presume correctly, Agent Washington. And may I presume that you and Agent Harris have made your way here because you'd like to leave this godforsaken land. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. Tell him what he's won, Chuck. It's a new car! <laughs> Very nice, agents. Are we gonna have trouble with you, Eddie, because if we are, we can always come back after Margaret is done reducing this place to a pile of ash. No, no. There'll be no trouble for me. I believe all the fight has finally gone out of me. My time has come and gone, as they say. That's so. It is, Agent Harris. Considering how much trouble you've caused and how many lives you've destroyed, I'd say you're pretty lucky that we don't just put you in a hole and call it a day. 
Interesting that you think so. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. It was you two that were responsible for freeing Margaret, right? Every life lost today in Everton. Wish we could take credit for that. Really do, but it was your brother, Ernie, who freed Margaret. Not us. So, save the speech. Naturally. Only he could, but... Just the same, I imagine he might never have if it weren't for you two. We've been seeing your shadows slowly lengthening for so many years now. Always wondering when you'd finally come. Who's we? Yeah, what's that supposed to mean? For so many years. Yes, we, Margaret and I. We knew you were coming. There is, after all, only one path home. Yes, that's all fine and dandy. You knew we were coming. But let's talk more about this one path home. Can you do that? Can you get us home, Eddie? Will you? Indeed, Agent Washington. I can and will. See this here. Uh, Your compass. Very good, Agent Harris. Yes, indeed, this is a compass. My compass. Conway made this one just for me, in case... In case anything catastrophic were to happen. Catastrophic? Like Margaret being freed from her bonds after 5,000 years of captivity? Whereupon she loses her shit and tears down your shitty little dome and then turns Everton into the eighth level of hell? Precisely. So let's crank this thing up. We're ready to go home, right, Wash? Absolutely. What's the catch, Everett? Ah, yes. Washington the Wise. What's that now? Nothing, nothing. You're right, of course, Agent Washington. There is a catch. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. The thing is, in order for the compass to work, we'll need to tap all three corners of the dimensional array. Which means, I'll need you and Agent Harris to join me near the wells. Nope. Fuck that. Here we go. Oh, come on. Seriously, Wash? This guy. I mean, this guy is like Lex Luthor and Doctor Doom all rolled into one. Harris, stand down. I need to hear what's being said. Go on, Everett. Like I said, I'll need you to join me near the wells. The compass sits in that cradle there, just there. And each of us anchors a dimensional matrix into place. And just how does that happen? I've no idea how to anchor a dimensional matrix. Not to worry, Agent Harris. All that the compass requires is your touch. I won't pretend to know how the device works. I can only tell you that it does. The book has never provided inferior technologies. If you're the living proof of that. All right, Harris, enough. What else, Everett? What aren't you telling us? I thought you guys were having difficulty getting these things to work. Dumping you in the remote past? Shit like that. True enough. Right up until just a short while ago. Conway's sacrifice. A sacrifice I suspect you witnessed firsthand. He... He was able to lock the coordinates for Keystone Earth into the array. He burned to do it. And? Keep dishing. That's it, Agent Washington. The dimensional array is already set, like I said. The coordinates are locked... Naturally, I never thought that I'd be making this trip with anyone other than Ernie and Conway, but here we are. What's it going to be, agents? There's still that little problem. Margaret. She could be here at any moment. If I were you, I wouldn't trust that she won't kill us all. Oh, jeez. Are we actually doing this? This seems very ill-advised. I get it, kid. This isn't a great option, but... But I don't see any other way out for us. If we lose the technology that Conway has built here, and Eddie's operational know-how, I don't see any other way back. So, what are you saying? I'm saying we don't have any other options. This is probably it. Our last shot out of here. Are you with me? Oh, man. I'm with you. All right, Everett, let's do this. But mark my words. If I see anything funny, you'll be heading into the next life... With a Mark IV round in your chest. Fair enough, Agent Washington. Now let's not waste any more time. Please, join me here by the compass. Mind your step. All right. Which one of us is in the middle? I'll be in the middle. Here, Agent Washington, stand here on my left, and Agent Harris here on my right. Great. And now place your hands here, just like me. Yes, just like that, so your fingers touch the seven symbols. Have you seen these symbols, Agent Harris? No. Do yourself a favor. Once the energy wells activate the compass, concentrate all your attention on the symbols. A great many things will be revealed to you. Harris, you will absolutely not concentrate all of your attention on those symbols. Do I make myself clear? Yeah, Crystal. And you, 
You wizened old shit. Don't think I won't snap your neck if you pull some shit like that again. Just give me a reason. Eddie doesn't bother to reply to Agent Washington, just turns his attention to the panel in front of him. From beneath his shirt, he pulls a small, unusually shaped key. He inserts the key into an equally small opening at the top of the globe. Blue light slowly begins to thrum from somewhere deep within the compass. As it grows, it radiates. The agents can't help but to be reminded of the first well that they encountered back in the original Everton. But this one is special. It goes both ways. The first wells were a one-way trip. We never thought we'd want to go back. That was... a mistake. I see that now. So, so this is it. We're finally going home. Yeah, we're going home, Wash. When Agents Washington and Harris first encountered an energy well, they'd been caught mostly unaware. They'd been more focused on Pasha and the crashing waves than on the mysterious blue light cascading all around them. This time, though, our heroes are much more aware of that eerie, pulsing light and its power to convey. As the interdimensional array winds up, the swirling blue light begins leaping out of the globe, splashing across them and pouring onto the floor. Wash! Wash! Just hold on, kid! We're almost out of here! The dimensional array is running full bore now, the blue light now filling the expanse of Sanctum. As it begins to tornado above them, its funnel now tethered to the largest energy well at the center of the array, Agents Washington and Harris exchange a nervous glance. What's going on, Everett? Is this thing working or what? Eddie doesn't seem to notice Washington or Harris anymore. His singular attention is to the typhoon of blue light quickly building in the well at his feet. Just as Washington is about to follow up, Eddie removes his hands from the compass, snatches the book, and plunges headlong and without a word right into the energy well. Jesus Christ! Son of a bitch! Wash. Unfortunately, Harris isn't going to be able to satisfy his curiosity about what's happening. Such is the fate of curious minds. No, friends. He and Washington have been caught up once again in the awesome power of the energy wells. And before you can say, not again, they've already been pulled into the long tunnel that makes up the dimensional array and are off and running. How long has it been since I've leapt between worlds? Between universes? It seems like ages have passed. How long has it been since I last felt the unencumbered freedom of my astral self, free from the wrecked flesh that I'd borne like a cross? It has been so long, too long, but even despite the many years that have passed, this time there is something. Something feels different, though, well, it feels like I'm not just moving through space. I think I may be moving. I hope that I am moving also through. In an instant, the energy of the well spins out, and I can once again feel the weight of my body and the slow rounding of clock resume. When I open my eyes, I see that I'm still in the town hall, in my throne room. Except it's no longer my throne room. The machines, Conway's machines are gone, and so are the agents. The town hall is just, just an ordinary town hall, and the room is nothing more than an office. It's not just the town hall that's changed. I've changed too. My bionics and the jacks and ports, they've all gone. I'm, I'm me again, the old me. Everything aches, though, like... I'm too big for this little body, like I've been stuffed inside. My skin feels tight and hot, my head is throbbing like a drum, and God, it is so hot in here! I turn toward the door and see that it is just slightly ajar. I can see out the door and down the long hallway and into the rotunda, and dear lord, out the main entrance, is that... I think I see snow falling. I think... I think I'm home? I get to my feet. Shakier than before, weaker than before, more frightened than I've been in ages, I carry myself outside. And, oh yes, there's snow. There's senatorial tall trees, and the beautiful black dome of the night sky, the familiar constellations back in their appointed places. I never thought I'd see the night sky again. I never thought... And then it hits me in... 
I must... This must be a dream. Maybe I've fallen into a memory. Those memories that haunted my post-war nights, I'm... Back in that ancient French forest, wandering and lost. The German war machine literally surrounding me on every side, which means... It means... But no, this is no memory. This is... This is... The compass has. It, it has brought me back in time and space, just as I'd planned. This is... This is my chance to make it right. I rush back into my chamber. I must find the book. I had it when I dipped into the well. It has to be here. If it's not, then there is no hope. Yes, yes, there it is. Which means... I'm also here. Not me, but young Eddie Everett. G.I. Joe. Wandering around like a damn fool. I must give the book to myself. I must warn him. Me. My past self. I must warn him about Margaret. Margaret. Where is she? And where is the cup of fire that she betroths? Almost as if on cue, I can hear the fires outside starting to blaze. I can feel the heat now. Coming from the well or from above? Or is it inside of me now? It's... I can't... But yes, it's coming. Or rather, I'm coming to it. To its event horizon. As soon as I catch up in time, the fires will burn. I can feel it now, no doubt. Margaret's flame traveling through the rift just behind me. I should have known that I'd never escape her wrath. She... She grew this garden and she... She will burn it down. I rush to the front of the building and throw open the doors, the heat now coursing through me. Everything inside me begins quaking. In my bones, I can feel a terrible, painful wrenching. Behind beyond the bone, my muscles, they begin to clench violently into dense, painful knots. Some terrible, violent battle is waging just beneath my skin, and there can be no victor. I stumble and fall to the ground, my body now racked with pain. It is the unfolding of my flesh. I lie there, willing all the pain into a tight little ball. Then I toss the ball into my belly. I close my eyes and focus all my attention there, focus on devouring that pain. I can do this. This one last thing. This is my last hope. Focus. Focus, Eddie. Remember that day. Apples and cheese. The light breeze. Her hand in mine. The monsters that you became. Or... The monster that I became. Not Margaret, me. I, monster. Footsteps. The distant but familiar crunch of snow and ash beneath military spec boots. He's finally come. He's finally coming. I made it. He made it. Come on, my boy. Come this way, into the heart of the matter. I raise myself up, my head feeling like it might burst. I can suddenly feel the thousand places where the skin has split and the meat beneath has punched through. All over my body, I can also see that the flesh has started to blacken and smolder. I've got to get on my feet and make sure that I receive the book. I slowly rise, first to my knees, and eventually to my feet. And yes, he sees me now. Oh, Eddie. I see you too, Eddie. Even though you're cast in shadow and lit by flame, I still see you. Very well I see you. I can still remember. You once believed that a monster had destroyed this town. But you were wrong, boy. It was a man. Man is the monster. Keep coming, boy. We've almost made it. By the gods. Don't make the same mistakes that I did, Eddie. Do it right this time. Follow your heart no matter where it leads you. Face your fears no matter what terrible shape they take. And for heaven's sake, free the girl. She is, after all, the beginning and the end. The book passes from one soldier to another in a mostly forgotten past. Eddie the Elder is finally consumed by the fire of his own construction. 
and Eddie the Younger is now faced with the arduous task of making sense out of the impossibility of everything he's witnessed on that perpetual night. Eddie the Elder's final fiery consummation has also set things spinning back at the well. His corner of the interdimensional matrix, now severed, has forced the well to pull Everton back through the array and into Margaret's garden, where everything has changed. A poem comes to mind. A verse in particular. I'd like to share it with you. This is the dead land. This is cactus land. Here the stone images are raised. Here they receive the supplication of a dead man's hand under the twinkle of a fading star. Is it like this in death's other kingdom, walking alone at the hour where we are, trembling with tenderness, lips that would kiss, form prayers to broken stone? That's lovely. Isn't it? Is the land really dead? No, no, dearest. It's just... It's been cleansed by fire. If our seeds are to grow, they must be planted in the ashes of our sacrifices. What will grow next? I don't know yet. Could be anything. Would you like that? Oh yes, very much. I love it when things are growing in the garden. Even anything. Me too. Everything is so lovely. Yes, it will be, I suspect. Different this time. Different than before, but familiar nonetheless. I think they're coming back. Eddie tricked them. Yes, I know. And indeed they are. Why don't you go to them, my love? I'm sure they'll need your guidance. I would like that. I like Harris. He says funny things. True things. Yes, dear. I like Harris, too. Go on, then. Go to them. There's many rifts between our two worlds. I'm sure you can find one that won't kill them. Hello, friends. What a ride, right? Let's check in this one last time with our fearless fellow sojourners, Agents Washington and Harris. And I know what you're thinking. These two have the worst luck. So close to getting home. It seems so unfair. But what can I say? Horseshoes and hand grenades, right? The good news is... All hope is not yet lost. The agents did once again cheat death. They do still have a chance at getting home. And most importantly, they're still together. And they're a hell of a team. Oh boy, where are we? God damn it! I knew I should have wrung Eddie's skinny little neck. I think we might be... Dead. We're dead, Harris. This is the afterlife. Now stop asking questions. We're floating. In an endless black abyss. And you think this is the afterlife? Sure. What were you thinking? Fluffy clouds and golden harps? The agency says that is highly unlikely. The agency found heaven? No, not exactly. But we know where it is. Point is, this could be the afterlife. But I did think it'd be a little more decked out than this. But what happened? We, we got out, didn't we? Back to Earth? Eddie did. I saw the whole thing. I could have swore we were right there with him. You got me, kid. I felt the same thing. But I'd have to say that it felt more like we were in both places. Like somehow Eddie locked us along the continuum so that he could pop back in time. Fucking Eddie Everett. How are we getting... How are we getting out of this one? I'm open to suggestions. Hey. You hear that? What? Holy shit, it's... Pasha! Pasha! I thought you were dead, little buddy! Get over here! Look at you! You got your whole body back! Hello, Agent Terrace. Hello, Agent Washington. It is very good to see you. Oh my god, Pasha! It's good to see you, too. Wait. Pasha? Didn't you die, too? Does that mean... Oh, shit. You're right, Wash. We're... No, friends. No, you are alive. Not dead. I'm alive too. Did they ever tell you I contained? Yes, yes. Multitudes. How could we forget? So, shit. 
That's good news. You hear that, Harris? We're alive? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, but Pasha, how are you here? How did you come back? Life here is cyclical, just like where you come from. We live, we die, and death not ends it. Wow, that's really beautiful, Pasha. Well, I for one am glad to see you. Oh, man. Right. So, Pasha, we're still in the astral plane? Is, is that what you're saying? That is the truth. So, what happened to Everton? And Outworld? And all that? The wound has been closed and the Fisher King has been healed. Closed? Does that mean we're stuck here? No, Agent Washington. There are many doors into your world and many doors into ours. We will find one. Don't worry. How do we get there? First, we will wait. Wait for what? We must wait for the garden. How long is that going to take? How long? There's no how long. That hasn't happened yet. That sounds like a long time. It won't be, Harris, I promise. But how do we get there, Pasha? How do we find... How do we get there? That's easy, Agent Washington. We get there together. Together. Margaret's Garden was written by Pacifica Sobadiah and Jonathan Goldberg. With script editing by Frankie Serrano. Our narrator was Graham Rowitz. Margaret was Jordan Cobb. Eddie was Zach Labresco. Washington was Risa M. Harris was Russell Moore. Simon was Andrew Oakes. Our composer is the incredible Danny Sweet. And I'm your sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. Our producers are Brad Miska and Tom Owen. For more information, visit margaretspodcast.com.